0: It is great to be here one more time today. And my name is Gary Fowler, and I am the host of GSD Presents Silicon Valley AI and Tech. Today, we've got incredible, incredible guests, and we're going to be talking about democratizing climate solutions and finance. So, I've got Sebastian in Alana. Uh, Sebastian was the lead author and international consultant. He contributed to the Nobel Prize. Yes, everybody, the Nobel Prize as the IPC. IPCC lead. He's got a PhD in physics, a jurist doctor. I mean, he's got a lot of degrees. So we got a, some smart folks today. <laughs> Lana is a uh, serial entrepreneur and investor. I mean, she's got a uh, profound background. In fact, I got to say, I've never seen a seven page um, CV come out of LinkedIn, but she has one of them. She's worked with groups all over the world. She's done work with uh, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. In fact, she was an MIT innovator under 35, Marcus Pies ambassador from Columbia, Draper University student in residence, et cetera. So I'd like to bring them on. I don't want to say any more because they got a lot to talk about today. So with that, I'd like to bring them on board. Hi, Sebastian. Bana, how yeah, are you? Hi, today? Gary. Hi, so,
1: how are you, Gary?
0: Thank you. Ah, so much. I'm fantastic. So, let's go down through. So, um, if you could introduce yourself, um, ladies first.
1: Yes, thank you so much. First of all, for this invitation, I feel very lucky to be here, uh, and with Dr. Sebastian and Paolo as well. Um, so, I'm Alana. I'm the co-founder, CEO, and lead product designer at E Pioneers. And uh, my background is a combination of finance. So, I work at a private equity fund in New York, which is where I met. Uh, uh, Sebastian, um, also a hedge fund. I was also a derivative trader for the Asian market uh, before launching an ad tech company called Worldtech, which uh, trained thousands of people with IT skills, with boot camps. And throughout that process for almost five years, I also became a software designer and now I'm leading ePioneers, Pioneers, which is like my latest venture. So super happy to be here and super excited for this conversation as well.
0: Thank you very much. Sebastian, it's great to see you today.
2: Yes, thank you very much, Gary. Thank you for having us on, on the show. Um, as, as you may hear, um, I'm, uh, I was born in France. Uh, as you may hear from my accent, uh, I was born near Bordeaux, where we have the best wine in the world. I, Sebastian, on, uh, I've been there, and
0: you're and, 100% right. The, the wine, yes. <laughs> I don't know what it is because of maybe preservatives or whatever, but when you get wine in Bordeaux, it's really, really good.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, I'm a little biased, but uh, but no, you're you're right. It's the ground. It's it's the earth uh, itself. Uh, but I, anyway, I I studied in uh, in Bordeaux, the, the university. I got my my PhD in physics there, and uh, then um, I moved to California in uh, 1994 to to do postdoctoral studies at the the Berkeley uh, National Lab. And uh, when I arrived in California, I thought I would stay two or three years, but then I ended up spending. Uh, 18 years of my life in the, in the U.S., um, uh, including a, a decade uh, working in Silicon Valley. Um, uh, I worked for a company called uh, Applied Materials and, and high-tech manufacturing, uh, where I, I helped uh, uh, develop uh, technologies to reduce emissions of uh, uh, fluorinated greenhouse gases. Um, and uh, it's a bit esoteric, but I, I became an expert on this topic. And, uh, uh in the early 2000s i was uh, invited to to work with the ipcc the the intergovernmental panel on, on climate change to develop the methodologies that are used by by governments and, and companies to uh estimate emissions from uh, from the sector and and then um so that was in the early 2000s and then in 2004 i asked myself if i wanted to 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 be an engineer all my life and could certainly have continued uh, developing uh, solutions to 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 reduce uh, climate impact of industrial processes, but I, I thought I would uh, I could have a, a greater impact if I would uh, also understand the the policy and the legal and and, and regulatory aspects of, of climate change, and so I decided to to go back to to school and uh, I I got a a lawyer degree a juris doctor degree at the Santa Clara University in uh, in two thousand eight. Um, this was just before I moved to New York City, where I lived for three years, and and then in in the meantime, I also started my my own consulting uh, firm and um, uh, continued working in the electronic sector to to develop the the first um, carbon trading methodology under the the CDM, the the Clean Development Mechanism of the, the Kyoto Protocol. Um, and uh, and then uh, in 2013 came the first uh, carbon market crash, uh, where the, the the price of carbon offsets from uh, Kyoto Protocol went from twenty dollars to twenty cents in a matter of months, and so um, we had to reinvent ourselves a bit. Um, and um, and I started the business in uh, in Morocco back then uh, to to develop um, also climate related projects in in Africa. Uh, and, um, and now I live in Argentina, uh, I live in Patagonia, uh, near in the Andes, near the, near the border with Chile. It's actually winter here. Um, yeah, it's a gorgeous place. Uh, one of those few remaining, uh, pristine areas of the world. Um, and, uh, and I continue doing some work, mostly focusing on advisory work, uh, for, uh, some startups, and I, I also work uh, do most of my work these days with the the UN uh, Green Climate Fund, the, the GCF, uh, mm-hmm. to to develop uh, climate uh, um, uh, mitigation and adaptation projects in uh, in developing countries. And then I, I continue to serve uh, um, with the IPCC as a as a member of the editorial board of the uh, IPCC emissions factor database.
0: No, that sounds great. So, you know, what is the, um, you know, if we look at it, what's happening right now? Let's talk about the status of the global climate crisis. Where are we today?
2: Well, we we understand the the, the climate uh, climate change, the climate crisis. Uh, I think we we can call it uh, much better than we than we used to uh, when the IPCC started. Uh, uh, back in the, in 1990, the first assessment report of the IPCC was in 1990, uh, and and uh, back then, um, the IPCC had concluded that uh, uh, human caused climate change would soon become evident, but uh, but back but but the IPCC was not able to confirm that that, that climate change was already happening back in in 1990. But but today, uh, evidence is uh, overwhelming that the climate has indeed changed, and that human activities are the the principal cause of it. And and in fact, we've measured that the the Earth has already warmed up by 1.1 degrees uh, Celsius uh, since the Industrial Revolution. Um, and and the APCC has concluded in its last assessment report, the sixth assessment report, which uh, was released. Uh, uh, last year and they're, they're working on the on the uh, the summary now it's expected to be released later this year the, the ipcc has concluded human influence on the climate is unequivocal uh, that, that's I, pretty know, strong it's,
0: it's Sebastian, but people say it's not real i got to tell you you know um i i every single day when i talked about global warming they say but this happens all the time right the the earth heats up my response back is that it happens, sure, but it doesn't happen in, you know, 100 years. It happens over centuries, right? So what's going on? I mean, these naysayers, I remember when, you know, Al Gore won the, uh, the Nobel was in 2007 with the IPCC uh, influence. I mean, how does, uh, I mean, where is it? I mean, people don't seem to realize where we are and, you know, what, how does that really affect us?
2: Right. Well, that's how I was saying. The IPCC has concluded that the climate change, the, the, the human influence uh, on climate change is, is unequivocal. That means that there is no doubt that uh, it is indeed our in- activities uh, since the Industrial Revolution, principally burning uh, fossil fuel, that is the cause of uh, the increase in temperature that we have observed. It, those are measurements. It's not speculations. Those are measurements. and. Um, you know this the world unequivocal is pretty strong right uh, and the, but this is the consensus of the ipcc and the ipcc is is it's not a non it's not an ngo this is an intergovernmental uh, organization so basically and it works by consensus so basically uh, the the wording um, the conclusion that the human influence on the climate is real is uh, is a consensus between the 195 countries that uh, are part of uh, of the um, IPCC. So the the debate is over. Uh, we we have won it over climate skeptics. Um, unfortunately, we've lost 20 30 years fighting uh, you know uh, bad faith deniers, uh, powerful lobbies. Uh, but now it's uh, just watch the news. It's evident that uh, our planet is 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 warming almost everywhere. It's warming rapidly. It's it's warming even more rapidly than we had predicted. Um, and the question is no longer about whether climate change is a reality, but but whether we can slow the process quickly enough to to uh, mitigate its its worst effects.
0: And so, can we turn it back? I mean, can it be turned back? What's going to happen? Because I heard that whatever we do today won't really impact us for twenty to thirty years out. So with the increased population on the planet from estimated from 8.1 billion to 13, and a lot of people burning coal, especially with the current uh, Ukraine war. I mean, there's a lot of things that have really, you know, increased over the last and in continuing increased. But right? how do we change? How do we reverse? Can we reverse it? Or how do we adapt as humanity? I mean, what 80% of the water, fresh waters in Antarctica, what happens when this melts, which it is, right? I mean, so how do, we, how do we mitigate it and how do we help humanity live longer right,
2: and exist? Right, right. Well, unfortunately, I, I don't think uh, we can uh, go back. You know, what, whatever we've put, uh, all the greenhouse gases that we've put in the, in the atmosphere, mostly in the last uh, uh, 20, 30 years, uh, is there. So the effect uh, is going to, uh, there, there's a lag, the effect is going to continue happening um that that doesn't mean that uh we cannot uh limit the effects of climate change but uh, but we're not gonna uh, uh, come back uh, and and many of the consequences of uh, climate change are irreversible uh you know losses in di- in biodiversity uh, obviously loss of life due to climate related disasters is 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 not something that uh, we can reverse so it, it's difficult to be um optimistic but at the same time we cannot afford to be pessimistic so so i believe that we must be possibilistic in in a sustainable manner uh, first i think we need to truly integrate that, that we only have finite resources we only have one planet earth uh, thinking that we're going to go live on mars uh, is a pipe dream second uh, on the other extreme we also oh, have and, to reject to the. i
0: agree with you you know, and the other thing is, you know, one of the closest Earth-like planet is 150 light years away. First of all, you got to get the light speed, and secondly, you ain't gonna live long enough to get there. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. right. <laughs> so this strange. is not gonna
2: happen. I'll be dead before we all be dead before this eventually. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, happened. but but at th- at the same time, you know, we have to be realistic. At uh, at the same time, we also have, I think, to to reject the the idea of you know the climate apocalypse and uh yeah, even if climate change actually poses an existence uh, an existential threat to humanity uh, even though it's perhaps the biggest challenge that uh, of, of our time uh i think um, as professor uh, uh, david Correa argues that uh, a politic uh, apocalyptic rhetoric makes politics impossible mm-hmm. it leads to to ignoring the the suffering of people the notion of climate justice and it actually endangers uh, democracy. Um, But, you know, rejecting the idea of of climate apocalypse is not to negate that we are actually facing a a crisis. Uh, Being uh, possibilistic means that that we can address the the climate crisis by reducing greenhouse gas emissions, achieving net zero uh, and and, and adapting sustainably to our uh, environment and uh, and to its uh, its limitations so but so basically sebastian i,
0: th- I, don't, sebastian, I just got to interrupt you for a second i agree with what you're saying right there are 1.4 billion people in africa in 54 countries you know if you don't have food and you got to cook something i mean you and you don't have gas or you don't have something uh, else you use wood or you do whatever you got to do to eat right you you cook the way you have mm-hmm. to cook i mean we've got a lot of people in places around the world that are in the poverty level that don't have the opportunities that we have, right? And to be able to use, you know, modern conveniences. So how do we address that? I mean, a lot of if you look at it, what, um, 26% of the pollution today is methane gas from cows, right, going forward. And, you know, so how do, anyhow, just, it, the question is, okay, I get you, but how do we do it in the developing world where people don't have those opportunities?
2: Right, right that's a, a very, very big problem. It's, it's the crux of the issue. I, I think we we must infuse uh, sustainability, the concept of sustainability in everything we do. Um, we need to have more inclusive development. We need to focus on, on human well-being and reducing inequalities. Um, and, and to do this... Um, we have to start internalizing the cost of climate impacts into our business models into our products Uh, we need to to orient uh, consumption towards low material growth Um, and internalizing those costs of uh, those costs of climate impacts needs to be also reflected in our uh, regulatory processes Uh, we must put a price on carbon be it through market-based me- mechanisms uh, such as carbon trading through uh, redistributive carbon taxes th- through command and control measures um, but above all we, we we need to massively invest uh, and innovate in low carbon technologies in uh, in implementing climate adaptation solutions keeping in mind that the biggest problems now are being faced by people in developing countries uh, and uh, that—that's why is uh, we we cannot have just a you know Western developed country rich country uh, perspective on this. We we have to develop solutions that will also work for the people that are most impacted, the most vulnerable people.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. So let's talk about what is the net zero challenge and in investment opportunities.
2: Well, the, the net zero challenge is we're we're trying to, to to go to carbon neutrality, right? The net zero means that we cannot emit more uh, than what we can remove uh, from the environment in terms of uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, obviously, it will be very uh, it will be impossible to to get to uh, absolute zero emissions. But uh, we have to compensate uh, sources of emissions with uh, sinks of emissions, right? Uh, uh, by either uh you know, we can plant trees that's pretty well well known but we can also we 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 need to start to think about uh, uh, removing carbon uh from the atmosphere uh and uh, uh capturing it and and store it and and use it um, uh as well so but well, but I first we
0: so what do you mean use it so how can we use it so we catch the carbon from the atmosphere what do we use it for
2: well, we we can uh, there are many startups actually in this field that are starting to look at uh, using carbon uh, to embed it into products for example you can make uh, tiles that uh, with carbon that that's uh, has been captured tile? for carbon tiles yes yeah, so floor tiles you can pave wow, roads you amazing. can uh, yes there there are there are some uh, uh many startups that are looking at you know developing processes based on not just capturing the carbon but using it uh not just storing it Uh, we've been talking about carbon capture and storage but it's it's also carbon capture storage and use right we've got to find uh, um, uh, processes uh, where you can use that uh, that carbon but but i think first first and foremost we need to phase out fossil fuel support uh, this is outrageous. Between 2015 and 2019, the government from the, the, the G20 provided $3.3 trillion of direct support for coal, oil, gas, fossil fuel power. Um, it's only, as you mentioned, it's only getting worse with the war. In Ukraine, we see many Sebastian, governments I actually increasing subsidies as we speak.
0: Sebastian, I got you right, but here's the deal, right? This is just, and I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, I think about this a lot myself. We got a lot of homes in northern parts of uh, the U.S., uh, Midwest. You've got places, uh, you know, Poland, the Czech Republic, all over the world that rely on fuel. What happens when we don't use fossil fuels? I mean, even the fossil fuels, people think they have electric car. It's great. We're saving things. But reality there's a lot of uh, fossil fuels involved many times produce electricity but how do we get to that point where we're able to heat a house in you know Connecticut or uh, New Hampshire in the middle of the winter but we don't have any fossil fuels to do it and you're right it's going to have to happen right it's not if it's when but when do we get to that point because it's going to be critical soon
2: right well if you look at the 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 IEA the International Energy Agency the their net zero scenario this is the net zero scenario by 2050 under that scenario we need to transition from today's uh mix of renewable energy to, uh, of about 20 percent to 80 percent it's not we're not going to completely suppress uh fossil fuel uh use that there are some applications uh including particular industrial applications where uh it's going to be very difficult to completely decarbonize <clears throat> but we have to we have to massively invest in this energy transition uh, from, uh, from 20% renewables to 80% renewable. <clears throat> the good news is that um, uh, energy like uh, solar and wind now start to be our uh, cost competitive. There are, in some cases, where you have uh, good uh, solar or wind conditions, it's actually cheaper to produce <clears throat> energy from, uh, from wind and solar than, than from coal. Uh, so uh, we've passed the tipping point but uh, we are not investing enough we're not investing fast enough um but for the most part we already have the technological solutions that we need that we know we need in the short and midterm by 2030 2040 really? to meet the goals of the of the paris agreement to to meet the goal of uh, limiting uh, temperature increases to to below two degrees and and, and hopefully to below uh, to, to, to one point no more than 1.5 degrees CC so we we do have the technologies um, it's it's a it's a matter of um, having a massive scale up uh, at the same time at the same time we need to invest in um, in uh, more advanced technologies uh, no question uh, in particular I'm thinking about uh, um uh, storage uh, electricity storage in particular we need to there are lots of promising things that need to be done uh, that can be done in high density batteries uh, new new cell chemistries phase change materials those are things that uh, uh, the venture capital uh community needs to start to to, to to look into um, there are much more also you know, low-tech low uh, solutions, uh, gravital, gravitational storage, uh, uh, pumped hydro, these kind of things uh, that also need that also exist uh, and that, that need to be invested into. Uh, artificial intelligence, uh, especially as applied to, to energy and, and resource efficiency, and in particular in the context of uh, circular economy, is also something that's very promising uh so that's that's um, something that we need to to scale up to to address the the climate crisis um electric vehicles uh obviously a very active field it's actually and um, according to the the Boston consulting group this currently represents 40% of the private sector investment in in low carbon technologies and it's going to electric vehicles um we need you know very significant uh Investment in uh, a charging station, uh, the industrial ecosystems that that go around electric vehicle. Um, this is happening again. These are technologies that we do have today. Um, in the transport, you know, perhaps the next frontier will be uh, uh, to, to decarbonize transportation. Will be for, for the shipping and the aviation industry, uh, where I believe you know fuel cells will become critical. Um, advanced biofuel production is another area uh, mm-hmm. where uh, lots of uh, venture capital uh, needs to go to to develop uh, these solutions and as you mentioned agriculture food production land uses are very uh, these are fields where we actually do not invest enough uh, yeah. we need to to look into um adaptation uh, technologies uh, uh things like um um uh, uh, technologies that are related to, to food and water uh, security, uh, lots of work in uh, uh, biotech sector to for crop adaptation, um, uh, these kind of things. Um, so, uh, as I said, the, the the technologies that we need to address the cl- climate uh, so, climate change in the, the short question? term is is there. The, the question to is.
0: I just want to interrupt you for a second. What happens if we don't do this? What's going to happen to us? Tell, let's paint a picture. Let's say you know we, we talk about it and the warning signs up. What's going to happen to us another 50 years?
2: Well, currently, if we if we continue on the same trajectory, we're we can expect a, an, an average increase in temperature of 3.5 degrees Celsius. Uh, we, which is uh, above two, two degrees. If we, if we do not manage to, to maintain the, the uh, increase in temperature below two degrees, we can expect some very serious uh, uh, consequences uh, in terms of sea level rise, uh, in terms of uh, uh, water security, food security, uh, uh, the, uh, massive losses in biodiversity. Um, and this is this is looking uh, pretty bad. So um, yeah. I think we 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 have to we. It's well, not that. a question of uh, uh, whether we need to to to, to make these investments. Is yeah. it's a question of how fast. So we with
0: make that, them. I'd like to go to ePioneers to Lana. Let's talk about what you're doing at ePioneers in the market. You know the b- business model you have. Where are you?
1: Yeah, and uh, thank you so much for that. Um, both of you i think in terms of like my approach so i'm an entrepreneur so i i am very aware of the challenges and uh the situation but um if you see the evolution of technology there are a few concepts i want to talk about so um there's this uh thinker he's actually one of the uh, students of jay Forrester, who was like systems thinking uh, professor who pioneered systems thinking in in the world really, and then came other um you know academics like Donella Meadows, who also pushed for systems thinking um and I think um you know from there are other very well known um, people from academia who also did uh industry and I mentioned this because it 's very important to our philosophy and our vision and our mission um uh you know um uh, Benoît Mandelbrot who invented i mean he kind of like made evident um you know fractal uh, patterns in nature you know across multiple industries and there's also Nassim Taleb who um is a uh, um, he's a mix of of things but um I think uh the the main point I want to make is that um there's this concept of black swans and also innovation um and I think that I Totally agree with uh, with, uh, with most of what uh, Dr. Sebastian is saying, but um, I think we do have a window of time and, you know, giving you some context on how ePioneers started. Colombia has an amazing ecosystem out from Colombia um, in terms of biodiversity. Um, but we saw um, the, I, I saw personally bleaching of the corals in the Caribbean. And that's when I was like, wow, this is happening already uh, in Latin America. No one is doing much about it. Um, and you go to the Caribbean sea, it's beautiful. The beaches, everyone's having an amazing time, but then you go under and all the corals are, are dying. And this not only has an impact in terms of economic tourism, but also people who live off the reefs. Um, and also, you know, people who live off the fish, which is a lot of people uh, in the world. And so, um, e-pioneers to climate finance. Um, and uh, enabling the funding of first nature-based solutions, but also other types of tech-based solutions for carbon reduction and removal. Um, Right now, we're focusing on restoration um, and mostly projects and uh, partners from the region in Latin America, but we're not limiting only to this. Um, And our goal is to enable and unlock uh, the market from a region that has not just an amazing potential in terms of infrastructure and biotech um, innovation for its uh, position and the natural resources that it has, which uh, are unmatched uh, in the world, uh, but also bring uh, brain power and also bring uh, people who want to think creatively about how to enable more technologies um, and uh, you know, build that infrastructure. So right now we're uh, focusing on that democratization of the portfolios, of the climate portfolios, that's how we call them. Um, and we're embedding uh, climate action and climate funding into everyday spending with uh, recent partnerships that we're deploying in the next month. But um, this is like, you know, very general of, of the what, um, And I don't know if you want me to dive more into how we're doing it.
0: Well, let's go down through just, you know, your so your business model. What about your where are you today with the company?
1: Yes. So we started um, first with uh, the creation of a new digital nomads visa in the country, like a year ago and a half ago. And our thought process was, okay, we need to open up the country and make people understand the nature of Colombia to then um, come to the country and enable decentralization of work. Um, And so we started a year and a half ago, but we uh, changed our um, model to a, a wider audience because we're targeting only travelers and digital nomads now to uh, consumers and corporates investing in net what do you zero
0: mean you're targeting digital nomads
1: yeah so um this is so amidst the pandemia we noticed that a lot of people working remotely were uh have you know stuck in the country didn't have access to basic uh you know i guess like services like banking or health uh, because they didn't have a visa to work uh in mm-hmm. these countries. In colombia in particular and so we were like okay these are developers these are designers these are entrepreneurs and they're having to leave the country every six months uh even if they're here and adding value and also you know enjoying and uh, we were like okay let's create a new digital nomads visa for them to stay two years without having to leave uh the country and so we took um kind of the challenge and we made it happen and so uh we basically uh created this the visa from scratch, and this will of course have a billionaire impact for the economy. Colombia already creates seven billion dollars per year in tourism. Um, but also it will save millions of dollars just in flights, for instance, to people who have to go and, and leave every six months because they didn't have before these types of visas. Now, um, ePioneers kind of like went beyond just digital nomads, which was the niche focus and travelers coming into the country. Um, and we were like, okay, let's enable a crypto climate wallet. That will help people um, not just invest and understand the potential of environmental credits or climate portfolios, but also have that traceability of these assets where they're being generated, um, you know, also understand, um, like, you know, the the yield from them, it's more like asset management with crypto climate, um, you know, models, and that's when we were like, Okay, let's go to Brazil, there's open banking. Now I'm living here in Brazil. And uh, Brazil has a digital payment system that is, uh, you know, one, over 100 million people already on Pix. Uh, besides the potential the country has for solar credits, for agriculture, for uh, you know carbon credits, biodiversity. So um, this is kind of where we're at uh, today as a company. So do you we- have
0: any sales today?
1: Yeah, so we're launching a pilot with a company, uh, a very big company, I cannot mention the name, uh, but we start in uh, October. Um, we do have uh, also uh, like other um, partners from the supply side um, that I can mention. So the Worldwide Fund, the Humboldt Institute, which leads all biotech in Colombia, um, also landowners uh, in, in the country of Colombia and also here. Um, and we're launching a climate card too, um, To embed climate spending into corporate budgets um with visa and and another company so um is
0: great well it sounds like you're making a lot of progress with it
1: yeah for sure yeah yes definitely
0: so let's see we're we're a little bit over we're about five minutes over so closing thoughts and how do people get a hold of you so if you want to start out
1: yeah well closing thoughts um i think the challenge is massive uh and uh we need to think systemically so something that we do today here in one like part of the world has an impact um and we have the possibility to first uh be mindful about this and also um with the internet and all the access to information and technologies educate ourselves about things we can do uh, about other things happening around the world so my invitation is more of an invitation to um, you know, uh, go to our website, uh, learn about what we're doing. Um, we are uh, in the process of uh, looking for investors too, for our pre-seed round. Um, and uh, we're also crazy, raising,
0: Anna. How much? Sorry? How much are you gonna raise? What are you looking we're, at?
1: Yeah, we're raising 1.5 million. Um,
0: 1.5 million, okay, US dollars, right?
1: Yeah, and this will help us launch uh, with Visa and, um, you know, the corporate partner uh, by October. Our goal is to close the seed by next year, but for this pre-seed, this is kind of the roadmap. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, as you saw, we have a very strong technical team, also an amazing team of developers and tech creators. So we're combining different skill sets, different perspectives to bring the best solution. So, um, yeah, I think this will be my invitation.
0: Okay, and which where can they reach you? LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, LinkedIn,
1: Elana Milkes. Uh, my email is im at ePioneer.io.
0: All right, super. And Sebastian. So, uh, closing thoughts, and how do people get a hold of you?
2: Yes, th- thank you, thank you, Gary. I'm I'm very excited as to uh, what uh, Elena is 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 doing and uh, and the pioneers because I, I think um, this is this is part of um, uh, what, what I call the democratization of uh, of of climate solutions mm-hmm. and, and finance. Uh, I think it's we're not going to solve this crisis without. Uh, uh, having everyone uh, contributing to the solutions, and and without citizens uh, putting political pressure on the system, uh, and and another key element is is uh, to enable people to own uh, their the climate solutions. And I think what um, what uh, e pioneers is doing in terms of uh, uh, allowing people to 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 own uh, carbon offset projects, to 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 own biodiversity uh, restoration projects, nature-based climate solutions through uh um decentralized finance to is is a is a key part of the the solution so i i'm uh, I'm, I'm very excited as what uh, elena ilana is uh, is doing uh, and i'm uh, uh, going to to help support uh, support this uh people can uh, can reach me on uh, on linkedin uh if uh, and send me you will find my my coordinates there my email uh, to send me uh, uh, a message if you would like uh, but th- thank you very much, Gary, for, for yes, having me. Yes,
0: thank us. you. I want to thank both of you for joining my show today. And to my audience out there, my name is Gary Fowler, and I'm the CEO, President, and Co-Founder of GSD Get Shit Done Venture Studios. Uh, stay tuned for another exciting edition come up on Thursday. Uh, to both of you, thank you very much. Have a great day. Stay safe. Stay happy. Stay healthy. Tune in again. I'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody.
2: Thank you.